Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. All right. Hello, everybody. So nice to see you here. Thank you for coming and joining us today for uh, Home Field Advantage. That was a great talk by Brian, wasn't it? He had a lot of good things to say. Some things I'll remember forever. Two million to the 27 million, <laughs> 700,000 million. And, and he was obviously a scientist, right? That's right. That's right. Well, good. Well, today, um, obviously, I, 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 I look a little bit like Father Eric because I have facial hair. <laughs> um, but uh, we're sad that Father Eric's not here with us. But So he, he said that we're going to, he wanted to talk about this, and this is what you guys signed up for, so I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But I'm not quite up on everything that he knows about the church, although I was here when we built it. Um, Catholics can know the presence of God through all our senses. And we have such a great church that we have lots of times when we kneel and are in pain, right? Because we've been kneeling too long. Has anybody been there in the Catholic Church? Yes, okay. Or stand too long, yes. And sometimes we even see the priest uh, kneel, actually not often in our church, but uh, on Good Friday, they, they, um, the priest comes down and, and lies prostrate. So we do, do things with our senses, with our bodies. We get to smell incense, right? We get to smell each other. No, that was a little joke. Is that a little joke? Did anybody get it? Okay, good. All right. So, um, so we're going to talk about all the different things about if these walls could talk. Now, I'm not sure Father meant that we're going to go ahead and go up and listen to the walls. Is anybody going to get up and walk with me and listen to the walls? No? Okay. Don't do that. Let's start with uh, All Our Welcome, All Belong. We're going to sing that together. And thank you to Sue who came at last minute. There she is. Way to go, Sue. And she's going to help us with this. So let's sing this together. All are welcome in this place. Behold love's amazing grace. All are welcome. All are welcome. Bring your hopes, bring your dreams. Mercy flows and love redeems. All are welcome. All belong. Welcome all the broken all who sorrow and despair. You are not alone, for you are God's own. Together we sing and we proclaim. Welcome in this place. Behold love's amazing grace. All are welcome. All are welcome. Bring your hopes, bring your fears. Mercy flows and love redeems. All are welcome. All belong. All are welcome. All belong. Wonderful. You guys sound great on this side of the room. Sounds great. Got a bunch of people from the choir in here. That's always helpful, isn't it? <laughs> okay. So um, when we were in meetings talking about this, uh, we were ta- trying to figure out what would the name be for this uh, talk about environment and art and how our environment shapes who we are. And talks about that. 
I remember Father Eric told us this story. He said, he talked about the people who had gone inside the green monster. You know what the green monster is, anybody? If you know Father Eric, you know he's talking about something about football, right? Actually, this is about baseball. So the green monster is that big wall out in, in, in Fenway Park in Boston. But the, the scoreboard is inside the wall. And so they changed the numbers by hand. They put a new number on when you score one run, you put number one on, right? And there's many, many people who have been inside that wall. And, and you, it's, like a, it's like this, right, I don't know if it's a rite of passage, but it's like, wow, this is really cool. You know, you sit out and you can only see this much of the, you know, you can't see the whole stadium. You can just see this one area. But he talked about how, you know, a lot of people have come and write, written their wall, names on the wall of this place. It's like, it's like holy ground. Like, if you're a really good big baseball fan, if you got to go and be, go inside the green monster, your life is like, you went to heaven. You went to heaven, basically. <laughs> so that's, and so some ways we say, well, what is our holy place? Where do we go? What if we, what would we say is, I went to see the Grand Canyon, right? That might be something in Arizona. Would it be I came to St. Patrick's? I hope. Or maybe there's a holy place in the chapel, the Adoration Chapel. Maybe in our, in our daily mass chapel, right? There are people on, that come to this campus and they sit in front of the um, statue of St. Francis that's right outside. There are people that come to our campus and they um, enjoy doing the Stations of the Cross. And I, had a, I, I talked to a priest friend of mine, Father Scott Brubaker from St. Bridget's, who was a very, uh, he's, he's big into environment and art. And um, he says, you know what I like about your church, Paul, is that when you come into the parking lot, uh, it's kind of a maze. It's not like a, this is the parking lot. There's just these spaces. You kind of go in. You have to drive around everything. You kind of get there. But then you come across the church, and there's the church, and as you walk up, there might be a nice banner saying uh, the Beatitudes or whatever we are we're focusing on. And then you walk a little closer, and you have to walk past all the statues and all the other things. And then if you, if you didn't know, next time you go out there, you'll notice that there's these ring of all these people that are in the, in the ground. All the people, right? Did you know why it's that way? Why is the ring? Does anybody know? That ring you'll notice it's like this, right? It shows us that the center of the campus is the uh, Adoration Chapel. That's why when it goes all the way around, then it comes over here too. But if you went all the way around, that would be the center of the campus. Didn't know that, did you, about our place? Then the idea of having these, these, these um, uh, the uh, shade screens. You know, that wasn't cheap, okay? You might as well build a new building to put up those shade screens because <laughs> they're very expensive. And we just had to replace some of them. But the thing is, that really says something about who we are. We want you to stay. We want you to come. We want you to be with us and enjoy each other and not say, well, I've got to run straight to my car because it's hot out there. No, maybe I can go ahead and I can stay. It's very welcoming. It's very welcoming. So it was nice that he said that. I appreciated that. So, um, 
Yesterday, until about, this is our third time doing this, and the first two times, Father Eric had his talk in, the, in, in um, Fenland Hall, and the speaker had his first talk here. So, of course, I thought that's what was going to happen this year, so I assumed I was going to see you all in Fenland right now, and that you'd be around tables, and so I've got a whole thing planned for that, but that's not going to happen right now. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. But, but the, what I was going to talk about is how that, this, that used to be our church, right? How many people worshiped in that church? That's wonderful. How many people were uh, baptized in that church over there? And baptized in that church over there? Anybody? How many received First Communion over there? Anybody? How many got married over there? Anybody? Wow. I thought for sure we'd have at least one person. Oh, well. Okay. But just know that... The, uh, this church, right. That's wonderful. Good. So it, um, it's amazing to think, though, that, there's, that that's the building that they remember. Like, um, and, and, and that we would even bring in, I don't know if you remember this or not from being in there, we brought in a horse trough, and that's where we baptized people. Big round horse trough. Does anybody remember that? There you guys. You guys remember that. Okay. So I got baptized in a horse trough. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that out loud, out loud. But we did that so that we could have immersion baptism. We didn't just pour a little water on somebody because our symbols are important in our church. Symbols are hugely important. We go ahead and we go under the water. How many people have seen Eric get in, Father Eric get in this, in this thing over here? Interesting to me that most of you have not seen it. It's something to see because the water comes out. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Around our baptistry, you'll see 12 rocks uh, for the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, excuse me. And um, they, they build, a, 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 for those of you who haven't seen it, they build a, a, a steps on one side and steps on the other side to get in and out. So they come from that side. They go, the people that are being baptized, they come in. They kneel down in front of him. He takes them like this, and he says, in the name of the Father, and he goes like this. And they come up and they go, <gasps> in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, <gasps> in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he do that? Because he's crazy and mean? <laughs> no. It's that we, we all probably need to think about what that means in our lives, the symbols in our church and why we do what we do. But the idea that we would... Ba baptism is, is a scary thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that, oh, you just get a little water thrown on you. No problem. Now you're baptized. In the River Jordan, the same way. What happens when the current is running in the River Jordan? You're, you're getting baptized. Might not be easy. You might fall. And if somebody doesn't catch you, you might drown. Who knows? It's dangerous. It's dangerous to go ahead and say, I'm going to come up as a different person. I go down and I die to my sins and I come up alive. It's a beautiful, beautiful way that we, that we uh, baptize people. And most churches don't do it. I'd say 90% of churches don't do it. We're one of the only churches in Scottsdale, I think, that does it. So anyhow, we've got our baptistry here. It's a beautiful sight. It happens on Easter Vigil evening, if you want to come. It's not a short liturgy, I'll just say that. Bring a cot. Father Eric was also going to go through all this stuff here. Um, this is a, a wonderful booklet. Have anybody seen this before? 
We put this out in, tw in 2005, actually, after the building itself was bu built in um, 2002. It was the opening mass. Uh, the opening mass was in September 2001. Is that right? You know what? It's on the front here. Never mind. I found it. Sanctuary was opened September 2002 and then dedicated by Bishop Thomas O'Brien in 2003. Okay? So we've been here a while. We've been here a while. But this is a wonderful little book, and it's available in the narthex out here. We were going to make copies for everybody, but I said, you know what? First of all, I thought we were going to be over there, but we aren't. <laughs> so I was going to throw pictures. That's, no, I just don't know. So we'll talk a little bit about this, but I'd like to also talk about some other things about liturgy and about music and how we, we uh, what, what kind of what the assembly does. All right, so here's, here's an interesting quote. There's a lot of history in this thing. A lot of uh, explaining why things are. That one thing that I talked about with the circle of the, of, of the Adoration Chapel is in here. Um, so our wonderful Pope, last week, two weeks ago, February 14th, is talking to the Congregation for Divine Worship, which are the people who are in charge of how we do liturgy. And he says, we must rediscover the reality of the sacred liturgy and not reduce it. He says, the starting point, he told these participating at, the, at this group, the starting point is instead to recognize the reality of the sacred liturgy, a living treasure that cannot be reduced to tastes, recipes, and currents, but which should be welcomed with docility and promoted with love as irreplaceable nourishment for the organic growth of the people of God. It's kind of like what Brian was saying about trees. Irreplaceable nourishment. You can't go anywhere else to get nourished like that. Like being in church with everybody else and having liturgy. You can kind of go to the mountain, but I'm not sure you'd get a thousand people there with you who want the same thing as you who want to have their lives formed and shaped by Jesus Christ. Irreplaceable nourishment. And he says, speaking of formation, he urged them to never forget that, first of all, that the liturgy is life that forms, not an idea to be learned. Life that forms, not an ideal to be learned. The liturgy is, in fact, the main road through which Christian life passes through every phase of its growth. I'm going to read that one again because that was a good one. The liturgy is, in fact, the main road through which Christian life passes through every phase of its growth. So when you get baptized as an infant, you come here. When you have First Communion, you come here. In our diocese now, about 15 minutes later, actually 15 minutes before that, you get confirmed. Because we have confirmation of First Communion at the same time in our, in our parish. Did anybody know that? Some people. Probably not most of you. All right. So here's the top 10 reasons that people go to Mass. You ready? 
You have to think a little bit, David Letterman, here, just a little bit. <laughs> Number 10, they're afraid that they will not go to heaven if they don't go. <laughs> Number nine, because mom and dad says I have to. Yeah. Number eight, I'm not a golfer or a hiker, so I only come when the weather, weather is good. <laughs> Number seven, top 10 reasons people go to Mass. I need some prayers. Number six, trying to stay out of you know where, still. Number five, they want to see that cute girl or handsome guy. That's why they come to Mass. Next reason is they need some quiet time where the kids are all quiet. You know, like, because when you come to church, the kids are always quiet. That's why they come. The number three reason is because they love to pray and sing, right? And the number two reason is the homily, right? Right? Or the music. Could have been either one. I was a toss-up for me. Did I say that out loud? No. But the number one reason, drum roll, come on now, drum roll. Number one reason is the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in the in environment and art in Catholic worship, it's a document that, we, that the church put out uh, right after Vatican II. And it's mostly for the American church. But this is, what they, this is the subject of liturgical action, the church, the assembly of believers. Among the symbols with which liturgy deals, none is more important than this assembly of believers. So what's the most important thing in the church? Is it the altar? No. Is it the cross? Is it the baptistry? Is it communion? Maybe. But it could be, and probably is, us. Because we are, are basically the church. We are the church, not this building, right? And because we have Jesus in us, especially when we receive Jesus, we become Jesus, right? These are all simple little things, and yet I'm not sure we talk about it enough. That when we come here, we become the church. Doesn't mean you can't be the church outside. Matter of fact, that is the goal. The goal is not to be here and have everything be perfect, and we don't have to have any conflict, and we don't have to worry about anything. We just come here, and everything's good. And then we go out there, and everything's bad. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's good out there too. But hopefully, if we encounter bad, we have encountered love, hope, patience, kindness, all those things here, and we can bring those somewhere else. Okay, so we're going to say that a few times today. Among the symbols with which liturgy deals, none is more important than the assembly of the believers. It is common to use the same name to speak of the building in which those persons worship, but that use is misleading. In the words of the ancient Christians, the building used for worship is called Dominus Ecclesiae, the house of the church. The most powerful experience of the sacred is found in the celebration and the persons celebrating. That is, it is found in the action of the assembly. The living words, the living gestures, the living sacrifice, the living meal. 
This was the heart of the earliest liturgies. Evidence of this is found in their architectural floor plans, which were designed as general gathering spaces, not necessarily with pews. General gathering spaces, which allowed the whole assembly to be part of the action. All right, so we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you guys to listen closely to this. I'm going to need some help here. All right, so I'm going to pick 11 people. They're going to go ahead and read what it says on here with a little yellow thing. We're going to read it nice and slow so everybody can hear it, okay? And then I want you to listen to it, and then we're going to talk about it. I want you to maybe pick up something that is either something that we do well or something that we could work on or something that touches your heart. Yours is a share in the work of the Spirit of all that is holy for in who you are and in what you do is found the most powerful experience of the sacred. Yours is the kingdom whose very assembly is sacrament of God's presence in the world. In the living words, gestures, sacrifice, and meal of your common prayer, the living God is disclosed as the faithful and redeeming Lord whose tent is pitched among us. Yours is to be nothing more and nothing less than the body of Christ. Yours is the ministry of being, the beloved and espoused of God. Through your lives and in your midst, the tidings of salvation are faithfully proclaimed. Yours is the work of telling and handing on the story of God's mercy. You are the people who embody the promise of life forever. For the word, you are evidence that the word of judgment is tempered in compassion. Yours is the ministry of celebrating again and again the Passover meal of the new covenant. Your sacrifice of praise is a hymn to the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Yours is the work of gathering at the table. Yours is the ministry to bring bread and wine, to give thanks, to break and share the bread, to bless and share the cup, remembering Christ Jesus broken and poured out for your sake. Yours is the proclamation of the Mysterium Fidei, the mystery of faith. Come to your ministry from your personal prayer. It is the home from which you journey to the house of God's people. Come prepared to be surprised by God's word and presence in the assembly of your neighbors Come as you are. Come as sinners who need to find mercy, as the redeemed who need to give thanks. Come with all that needs to be healed to the Lord who comes to heal you. Come with no expectations, but the sure hope of communion with the Holy One in the family of God's people. 
If your community's liturgy is alive and beautiful, take care lest you begin to worship your worship. This is idolatry. If your community's liturgy needs help, offer it. Model your community's liturgy on Christ's divine service, not on the experience of neighboring parishes. The liturgy your parish offers is a mirror of the life your parish lives. Look into the mirror and see what you will see, then do what must be done. When visitors praise and thank you for the worship you have offered, take delight in the blessings they have received and rejoice in the work the Lord has accomplished through you. Be faithful in the work you do, for though it is the Lord saves his people. Great. Thank you guys for doing that. I know that's not easy to read in front of people. But didn't he tell us that's the worst thing in, in the whole world? Yeah. Might, as, might as well be in the coffin next, right? Okay. Great. So that last phrase, for through it the Lord saves his people. So what did you hear? Which one did you like? Which one didn't you like? No, I'm just joking. Okay. What's something that we do well? What? Make it our own. Make it our own. Okay. Good. Great. Praise the Lord. That was a good one. Yes? So how you can affect other people's lives by living the word. Very good. By reminding us that we are the body of Christ. Reminding us that we are the body of Christ. Wonderful. You were listening. You were listening. That's good. That's good. Full active conscious participation. Is that right? That's what we're doing here? I know that the group that we have here are probably not the group that I need to be talking to. Is that true? <laughs> Meaning that these are the people that come regularly. The people in this room are people who are invested in our parish, who come here, maybe even drive here from far away places to get here, uh, who, are, um, uh, who are, are people that would easily say, yes, I'm from St. Patrick's, and be very proud of that, Right? Yes? Okay. Good. Now, the thing is, though, I'm not positive. Like if I said, how many ministries do we have here involved? We might have 100, well, we have 115, whatever it is. How many ministries in this room? We'd probably have some of you doing more than one, right? Right? Some of you doing four, five, six even, right? Some of you are just doing one. Some of you might not be doing anything. But you know what? Maybe you're, you're on the road to that place, right? But what I'd like to propose is that there's another ministry that I'm not sure we have on the books, and that is the ministry of the assembly. That's what the title of that was, the role, the ministry of the assembly. And too often, I think that there's some people, probably not in this room, but there are some people who come and they sit in this seat right here, and they say, 
<sighs> okay, I made it here. I had to kill the kids to get here. I ran over three people on the road. I can't believe I left home at, uh, at 7.57 and I'm sitting here at 8.02. <laughs> and I'm a little tired and I can't believe that I came to this Mass. It's going to be a long day, but I'm still here. And so basically inspire me, entertain me, and I hope there's something good here, because if there's not, I'm not positive I'm going to come next week. We'll see. Depends on what my schedule is. Maybe I'll come. Maybe not. My point is that too often we hear from people, well, if I didn't get anything out of it, it wasn't any good. I came here to get something out of it. And hopefully there's some truth in that. Hopefully we all get something out of it. But the question is, do we see ourselves, when we get in that car and come to St. Patrick's, would we ever say to ourselves, I have to go and minister today? Like some of you might be Eucharistic ministers or lectors or whatever, and they say, oh, look at the schedule. Oh, I'm not on, so I don't have to do anything today. I'm not on. I'm off. <laughs> so that means I just get to sit there and kind of take it all in, and I get to be fed today. There's nothing wrong with being fed. The question, though, is what, what can we do that would allow us to be a minister to someone? Would you say that you come to church to be a minister of the good news? In our church, there's a, there's a, there's a, a whole group of people, uh, I'm not sure in our church as much, but in a lot of other churches, that um, still feel very strongly about the fact that if I don't come to church, that I have committed a mortal sin and that I need to go to confession before I come to church. You know about this, right? Like, this is not foreign. Some of you, like, grew up with this, right? I know that at St. Patrick's, that's not really our main focus, is it? No. Um, but the idea, the reason they're coming sometimes is to get their card punched. I went, if I go to church, I get to go to heaven. That's what I was taught. If I go to church and I follow these rules, I get to go to heaven. Nobody else was taught that, just me? Okay, <laughs> just making sure you're out there because I know you are. <laughs> so would you say you've come to church to be a minister of the good news? Do you see yourself as a minister? Do other people see yourselves as minister? Now, again, some people have to have an official ministry in order to be a minister. And I'm trying to say that that's, that's not true. That when, you know, and this is something that Eric, bless him, he he. he Every week he says, we hope that after, ma at, at, after Mass, people will come up, and he used to say, surround you. And I said to him, Eric, don't say surround. <laughs> say approach. And he, and he actually did change that. So now he says, we'll approach you. But I don't know if he's ever said it to the congregation. 
to say, I expect that after Mass, when this person has put, put, stood up and we've all clapped for them, that you'd come over and say, where are you from? Oh, great. Are you visiting? Do you need to know anything about the church? Because we'd love to have you join us. And if you want, I'll sit with you next week, right here next to you. So I'll meet you here next week at 8 o'clock Mass. How could there be 1,300, 1,400 people at Mass three or four times a weekend, and when we say, are there any visitors, first of all, there's more visitors than most Catholic churches that stand up. I'm very proud of that. I hope you are too. But how many came because you invited them? I mean, isn't it, if this is so important to us, wouldn't we have everybody bringing somebody? Or if it's not your turn this week, it'd be next week? Or once a month or something? What is the, what, what's happening? What, what's, what are we not doing that is, that is having this happen? Is, this, is it too hard to bring somebody new because we're worried that, what do we say to them about communion? Well, of all places, this is not a place you have to worry about that. Father Eric has given more than enough First Communions here. <laughs> and very happy to do so. Because communion is not a reward for good behavior. That's from Pope Francis. Communion is not a reward for good behavior. How could you be healed if you didn't receive now, you don't have to have an official capacity to be a minister, right? You don't have to be an EM. You don't have to do that. I already talked about that. Now, we all bring something each week. Did you bring your enthusiasm? Did you bring your smile? Your hospitality, your welcome? Did you bring your voice to praise God for all he's done for you? Did you bring your gratefulness, your concern for those who might be suffering from illness, somebody you know? Did you bring that with you, the people suffering injustice or who needs the basics to live? Did you bring your struggles of the past week? Did you bring your joys? Did, you, did your daughter get married yesterday and I knew about it and I saw you at church on Sunday and I said, congratulations, because I knew you because I spent time with you. I had a big argument with my dad one time, and i got to quit here, sorry guys. But I, I had a big argument with my dad one time because the, the, the priest was, as soon as the priest came over here, he bowed like this, and when he turned around, there was no one in the church. They had all left. Literally, they had all left. And I almost stopped. I was playing music, and I almost stopped, and I said, hey, we're not done yet. Because community begins during Mass, but mostly after Mass. If we all made a commitment after Mass to meet one new person, how would that change our community? Okay, so I'm going to leave you with, uh, well, i got too much to leave you with. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I, I just want to th think about that more than anything. How can I be a better minister at Mass? Sometimes it means that you need to sing when you don't want to. Sometimes it means you need to pray louder so people can hear you because your voice can change somebody else's life. Sometimes we need to go ahead and go outside of our comfort zone. 
Sometimes I think we come to Mass like this. In my little bubble, I walk in, I sit down, say hi to these people and these people, but those people don't matter because I'm only talking to these people. Just think about it. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for this wonderful group of people. Help us to have a great rest of the day. Help us to be brave and bold in our ability to be the body of Christ, to be strengthened by it here at the church, but to go and offer Jesus to the world by being Jesus here first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 